Welcome to Ichabod's House. Since Halloween is approaching, we've decided to spend some time focusing on some of the creepier cryptid accounts published over the years. And today, we're talking about vampires. We're all familiar with vampires, what they are, how they behave, and the lore that goes along with them. But you might be surprised to learn that throughout time, vampire plagues have been reported, some as recent as the 1800s. Tales of loved ones buried deep in the ground only to claw their way out and return to the land of the living have been recorded in legal documents in America as well as Europe. We'll start in the U.S. with a couple of small outbreaks of vampirism from the 1800s, and then we'll travel back in time and overseas to Serbia, where, in the 1700s, all kinds of nasty was happening with regard to a plague caused by the undead. Our first story begins in Rhode Island in the early 1800s and involves a poor girl named Nancy Young. One day, Nancy began to cough. (coughs) Over time, her cough grew worse. (coughs) It became productive of blood and occasional chunks of lung. (coughs) Nancy endured for a time, suffering with every breath, finding it increasingly difficult to eat or move or even speak without coughing. <coughs> Shut up, for God's sake! Her parents worried. Her siblings didn't know what to think. They did all they could to make poor Nancy better, but eventually she wasted away to skin and bones, and in 1827, at the tender age of 19, she died. As happens with most dead people, she was buried in the local graveyard. All was well for a short time, until her sister, Almira, began coughing. And in addition to this new and disturbing development, Almira also reported seeing Nancy in her bedroom at night. (gasps) Nancy spoke to her. Almira, I know I'm dead, but I came to check on you. You look awful, like so pale and skinny. But don't worry, soon you will feel no pain, because you will be dead too, just like me. (laughs) What? Nancy's mother was distraught. I'm so distraught. My Nancy died of consumption, and now poor Amira has it too. Alas, Nancy and Amira's father, Captain Levi Young, didn't believe it was consumption. This is total bullshit. Tisn't consumption afflicting our girls. Then whatever could it be? Ha ha ha. Oh, my dear. I know it is difficult, but try and open your tiny female mind. It's obvious. Nancy is a vampire. Levi approached the town elders, who agreed with him and advised him to dig Nancy up and burn her remains. Oh my god. Burn her remains. 
much. And so Levi, his wife and children trudged to the cemetery. Stop coughing and keep up, Almira. And they dug up Nancy's body. <sighs> oh my. I'm perspiring heavily from so much digging. Uh, uh, uh. Woo. Looky there. She's out now. Oh, the stink. <laughs> yes, indeed, the stink. Whew. All we have to do now is burn her. Almira, I bet you feel better already. Ha 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 ha. I still can't breathe. Nonsense. Once we set Nancy on fire, your good is cured. And so they set poor Nancy's body alight. Still, Almira died. Hmm. I'm really surprised that didn't work. Followed by several of her siblings. Well, God damn it. <laughs> Later in life, as Nancy and Elmira's mother was on her own deathbed, Levi sat beside her and held her hand. Levi? Yes, my dear? There's something I've always wanted to tell you, and now my time is short, so I must speak at last. Before mine eyes close forever. What is it, my darling? Levi? Yes? You're a dick. And here ends the tale of poor Nancy Young. Was she a victim of ineffective vampire purification and murderer of her sister Almira? Or did she just have consumption and a mildly superstitious father? You be the judge. Our second story recounts the tale of young Mercy Brown, also of Rhode Island. Sadly, Mercy didn't fare much better than Nancy. After her mother and sister died of a wasting illness, Mercy herself grew ill and died in 1892 at the age of 19, when her brother Edwin started to cough. <coughs> Well-meaning neighbors got involved approaching Mercy's father, George. Now, George, you know we don't like to meddle in other people's business. But have you considered that your dead kin may be trying to kill you? Hmm. Well, I have noticed that since my wife and daughters died, my laundry doesn't smell as fresh. <coughs> and Edwin keeps coughing. <coughs> exactly. <coughs> my God, you're right. Someone is trying to kill us. <gasps> it has to be mercy. Mm-hmm. And so mercy like poor Nancy Young, was exhumed under the watchful eye of the town doctor, placed upon a pyre, and burned. Still, the work was not complete. What are you doing, George? Well, the fire's done. Mercy's all burned up. 
I was just going to take young Edwin home and get him out of this smoky air. <coughs> just let me sweep up some of these ashes. Here we go. Here, young Edwin. Now you take this. What, what is it? That there is the ashes of your dead sister. Now, you run long home and drink that with a nice cup of warm milk, and you'll be better in no time. Wow, cool. Gee, thanks, neighbor lady. <coughs> That's a good boy. Edwin drank his dead sister's ashes. <coughs> Sadly, the cure did not come to fruition, and he, too, passed away. Nancy Young and Mercy Brown were both young women who grew pale and weak and ultimately died. When others in their families showed the same symptoms, it was believed to be the work of the young women from their graves, either through supernatural means or by physically appearing to one or more siblings to transmit the curse. We know that this was tuberculosis, but what about Nancy's claim that her sister sat beside her on her bed? What about the stout belief of the family and the townspeople who encouraged Levi first and later George? It's easy for us to recognize consumption or tuberculosis as the cause of death of these young women and their family members. Nancy Young and Mercy Brown weren't seen flying about the village and scratching on windows to get in. But it is interesting that young Amira reported seeing Nancy at her bedside. It's also easy to dismiss these instances as localized events involving only a few people. But what if an entire region, including government officials, military men, and medical experts, were presented with enough evidence of a vampire plague to launch a complete government-sanctioned investigation? That's what we'll be talking about for the remainder of this episode as we review the case of Peter Blagojevich. But before we get going, we want to list our sources. Number one, Atlas Obscura. This is a great book, and it also has a great website. Number two, Wikipedia. Number three, The Secret History of Vampires, Their Multiple Forms and Hidden Purposes by Claude Le Couteau. And now on to our next drama. In the early 1700s, Peter Blagojevich was a man who lived in the village of Kisiljevo in a part of Serbia that at the time had just changed from Ottoman rule under Turkey to Austrian rule. Peter died, leaving a wife and one or more grown children behind, as well as, inexplicably, his boots. believe dad would want to be buried with those boots on? Nope. 
<clears throat> These boots are fabulous. Mine are all covered in bear crap and pig slop. These are just gorgeous. They're just, they're just a little tight. He really had small feet. Girl, you gonna piss him off. <clears throat> you know the cobbler doesn't come until spring. I need boots now. In spring, I'll get a new pair, and if the weather's okay, maybe I'll put these on in the ground with your father. Damn, these are nice. Look at these, son. Aren't they nice? Yeah, they okay. Not fabulous. Oh my god. Your father was a total cheapskate, but not with his boots. <laughs> so, what hymn should we sing at funeral? I have no idea. But there is no way in hell I'm staying for the reception. Everyone brings each salad. That shit makes me farty. Ugh. Preach, sister. Everyone's so cheap and poor. But mostly cheap. And so, Peter's wife clomped all over Serbia in his boots. Raking pig poo shoveling bear dung from the front stoop, surviving the cold winter days immediately after his funeral the best she could. Peter's son returned to his own home and family, and things went well for a few days, until rumors began circulating that Peter had been seen in and around the village. Peter Blagojevich has been seen in and around the village. I've heard the same thing. Someone said he's looking for his damn boots. Holy shit! Peter found out about the boots! <gasps> but it wasn't the boots Peter was after. At least not at first. At first, he just wanted to pay a visit to some of his friends, suck a little blood, get warm by the fire. Sadly, every person Peter visited became very ill and died within 24 hours. Nine villagers died within eight days. <coughs> I'm so sick. Oh, so, so very sick. Ma'am, I'm a local official. Can you please tell me how you got sick? Was it bad food, worms, witchcraft? It was. <coughs> it was. Yes? It was. Spit it out, goddammit. It was Peter Bogodjevich. Peter, but he is... Yes. He is. Yes. He's dead. He came to me in the night. Oh, snap. Daddy's got game. <gasps> that bastard. I'm glad I kept his boots. Quiet, everyone. And how was it he came to make you ill? He. <laughs> yes. He. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I don't have all day. I have like four other deathbeds to get to. <laughs> he throttled me. Throttled me. <laughs> yes, he throttled her, and the story was the same wherever the official went. Peter, fresh from the grave, dressed in his stained burial shroud, dirt caked betwixt his toes, returned and throttled people to within 24 hours of death. He claimed a victim almost every night until, one night, he returned to see his wife. Hello? Who's there? It's me, my love. Peter! Keep it together, Phyllis. Yeah. Uh, these... <clears throat> boots... off. 
Why, Peter, how surprising. Yes, I'll just bet. <laughs> Thank God you're here. I've missed you. Let's not get sentimental, Phyllis. What's that in the fire? My God, woman, is that a new, is that a new cauldron? Well, yes. The other one was rusted through, you know, and... Not even in the ground eight days. And you started spending all my money. Ugh. Tastes like dung, as usual. It was on sale. And it works quite well. See? The gruel doesn't stick to the bottom. Uh, Makes cleanup a breeze. Let's cut the crap, Phyllis. I suppose you know why I'm here. Well, no, Peter. I can't imagine why. My boots, woman. Where are my boots? I, I don't... I don't have your boots. I swear. I don't believe you. And when I don't believe someone... No! No! Say... Stay away! No! I throttled him! I release you, woman. Now repeat what you just said. Oh, I said it was it was probably a grave robber. You know, countryside is lousy with them. Mm, yes, your words have merit. I can see that would be a possibility. I shall leave you, wife, for now. I must go and explore this theory. But rest assured that if I don't find my boots, I will be back and I will throttle you again. Get out, you fiend! Your feet are filthy and you smell terrible and... <laughs> and oh, great! Now my gruel is boiling over. I hope you're happy, you bastard! And so Phyllis Blagojevich ate her gruel and washed her no-stick cauldron as Peter trudged barefoot through the muddy countryside in search of his boots. Alas, he did not find them. Soon, he arrived at his son's house. I'm hungry. I'm so hungry, and there's bear shit in between my toes. Um, hello? Who's there? It's me, my son. Father, you look less than fabulous, girlfriend. I know. I've been in search of my boots, and a grave robber has taken them. Interesting. Who told you that? Your mother, of course. Well, well, well. Who is it at the door, Daddy? Hello, little Timmy. Do you have a kiss for Grandpa? Ah! Oh! What's going on out here? Zoinks! Uh, I mean, uh, oh, Dad! So, no luck with the boots then? I have a pair you can borrow. Red leather. To die for. <laughs> you would rock those things. You'd have to wash those feet, of course. No. Thank you, no. I will continue my search. But if it isn't too much trouble, I would like some food. Hmm. Gonna have to say no on that. 
The church says we wouldn't let the dead into our houses. Well, with disease and possession and whatnot. This is bullshit. Hey, you raise me orthodox. Talk to the hand, sister. I'm hungry, and I'm your dad. It is your duty to be there for me in my time of need. You were never there for me, dad. Never. I hate you. Oh, Jesus Christ. I just want a crust of bread. Don't make me throttle you. Go ahead and try. Okay, then. I've been throttled to death. now, the town was in a panic. They knew they needed to do something about Peter, lest the entire town be throttled to death. The council called an emergency meeting. We can't go on like this. Peter Blagojevich has killed nine people in eight days. Quiet, quiet, please. We have summoned the local priest and cameral provisor from Mald to answer our request for help in this matter. Peasants, I am cameral provisor from Mald, from the city of Vienna. I am here to help. And I am Father Popovilovich. I have come to evaluate your sinful idea of digging up poor Peter Blagojevich and staking him through the heart. Quiet. We will have quiet. It's a crime against the church to dig up a body. If you please, madam, I will decide what is a crime against the church. But she is right. Technically, it's a crime. But God has been known to make an exception here or there. Official, get this assembly under control. I will have them all drawn and quartered. I'm afraid it's out of my hands, sir. Once they get going, it's really hard to shut them up. Please, please, I'd like to speak. Oh, God. All right, Phyllis, you can talk, but keep it short. She's a woman. Are you sure you want to let her speak? Is she a witch? What? No, not a witch. Just really homely. <clears throat> Thank you. Honorable officials, Cameral Provisor from Ald, Father Papa Blivich. As you know, I was quite fond of my late husband. We must have quiet. Let her speak. As I was saying... I was fond of my husband, but he was recently shown up demanding his boots. He must be stopped. And there's the matter of him killing your son? Yeah, yes, yes, that too. And all those people. The point is, we have all suffered greatly. Christ, I hate villagers. Thank you, Phyllis. <clears throat> the point is this, gentlemen. We have suffered greatly at the hands of Peter Blagojevich. He has throttled no less than eight people. I'm keeping the boots. Jesus Christ, Phyllis. Uh, sorry, Father. Bless you, my son. The locals have threatened to leave town if we don't do something. <clears throat> it is a sin to dig up a body which has been placed at eternal rest. With all due respect, his rest has been anything but eternal. The church is very firm on this. Yeah? How would it look to the guys in Vienna if an entire village just turned up empty? They're right, you know. I must pray for a moment. Come to order. Can we just get this over with? The priest has spoken with our Lord. I have communed with God, and he, in his benevolence, has answered. We may dig up the body of Peter Blagojevich. Once we have his corpse above the ground, we will determine if he is afflicted. 
with the curse of the undead. And so the village walked to the graveyard, and the body of dead Peter was brought out of the ground and placed at the feet of the priest. Phil, he smells terrible. He always smelled that way. Look at his feet, the dirt and filth. <gasps> but look here, he has new fingernails and toenails. I declare this man to be a vampire. We are saved! Peter was stabbed through the heart with a wooden stake, and his body burned so that he could no longer wander the earth searching for his boots and throttling villagers. Here ends our tale of Peter Blagojevich. Thanks for joining us today at Ichabod's house. We look forward to seeing you next week. In the meantime, Ichabod sends his love. <laughs>